You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh, I tell you, Jennifer, she is, she is really a party pooper. This is Dirt and Sprague. Jennifer poops at parties, so she poops at parties, so so and people know this. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brandon Sprague, I, I poop at parties. I poop at parties, but people don't know because I close the door. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Where where does she go for it? Does she does she visit a water closet and make door of the open so people may see and smell things? This sounds horrible. The fan. All right, welcome back in hour number two. Dirt Frank with you. I'm Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan. We are in until Thursday this week, and then we are off for the year. Uh, Dirt will be in uh, next week for the Duck Bowl game coverage. The mighty Holiday Bowl. I don't know if I'm excited for that game yet. Maybe I will be when the game gets closer. I mean, I'm not really excited for any bowl game. No, oh, you're. I think you're. Guy. You're excited to watch. I mean, the bowl season's awful. Yeah, it, it's yeah. not good. Well, like that game Saturday was fun for Beaver fans, but Florida. I mean, we knew that was going to be a blowout. There was no interest going in. I that was game. a little worried actually at the beginning. Of Why? Because uh, Florida was not going to score on Oregon State. Uh, they they were moving the ball. They they had it mm. like near the red zone. I mean, you farted around Two, a little times. bit offensively in the first half. I just, I there was it never. It took a them fear. a minute to get going, and then they got going, and it was over in a hurry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, once Trent Bray said, "Hey, if we apply pressure to the quarterback, he sucks." That was it. Yeah, he was thirteen to twenty-two for one hundred and eighty yards. So they win the bowl game. I, I don't really know. There's a couple takeaways for me. Like one, Damian Martinez coming out on Twitter and basically saying, "I'm not going anywhere." That was great. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. I. I think some of that was fear-mongering. There was never really any intel that I got from Corvallis that indicated he was leaving. Uh, the second was, you know, getting the flowers for Oregon State, winning 10, se- 10 games. Mm-hmm. You know, Kirk Herbstreet, Pat McAfee, Dave Pash, giving them the flowers on TV, how great this program is, how they've signed this, you know, thing long up, uh, long-term with him and <clears throat> Trent Bray on defense. And what are they going to be next year? What are they going to do at quarterback? But I thought Go Branson was one of the takeaways. It is a undermanned Florida team, so I'm not going to overreact by any stretch. But I was wondering, he's a freshman. Is there a possibility if they strike out in the portal, he ends up coming back next year and like being fine enough for them? I'd imagine he's probably the leading candidate to be your starting quarterback next year. Um, yeah, as maybe. Of now. As yeah, of now. Depends what they're doing in the portal. Yeah. Uh, but I'd imagine they're still going to sniff around and do that. And you got Aiden Childs coming in, so we'll see. But... You know, I thought Gobranson played fine. I had no problem with Smith alternating between him and Jebbia. That was a respect thing and a thank you to Tristan Jebbia. And he knew he was going to win the game no matter what. Yeah, I think that's kind of <laughs> what it was. Like, people that question that stuff, like, Jonathan Smith operates differently. He looks at the game differently. He decides to do things differently. And when it doesn't go well, we sound off about it. But when it does go well, it's just quiet and, hey, we won the game. You just got to roll with Jonathan Smith on what he wants to do. The dude knows his team better than anybody. 
Um, but I, I was really disappointed. Like, I'm not surprised, but Florida had the longest shutout streak going mm-hmm. of not being shut out. It goes back to, like, when you were born in 1988, and they kicked a field goal because they're cowards. That's time expired. Spineless. Absolutely pathetic. See, now here's where I, can I, I will defend them for a brief moment. First off, on the Jebbia thing, I'm happy he got some snaps. That was a really cool story, I thought, in that bowl game. Um, and I think Jonathan Smith played him mainly because he, like, we knew this was going to be a bloodbath. We knew Oregon State's defense was going to shut Florida down, and it was, I've said it for a million times, it was the easiest bet of the bowl season. I had a, a buddy who was up in the <laughs> Vancouver area on Thursday listening to the show, and he sent me a text like, hey, do you want me to go pop in the casino? you got to pay me $25 of your winnings. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. So I Venmo'd him, and I'm glad that I was finally able to win money on one of these games because that was the easiest bet you could possibly make. I don't know why that line wasn't 17 and a half, 18 and a half. It should have gone up with what Florida was without and the team that Oregon State was bringing in, a motivated, energized group looking for 10 wins, trying to avenge a bowl loss last year. The writing was on the wall that this thing was going to get ugly, and it did starting in the third quarter finally. Um, the only thing I'll say to defend Florida on the shutout thing, it was a little embarrassing that they kicked a field goal as time expired. A little. In a, in a 30 to nothing game. Yeah. Here's what I will say, though, to defend them. It's not necessarily fair that the streak came to an end. They had nobody in that game. They had nobody. I mean, and so like to have a streak come to an end because it's a bowl game in which half your roster opted out and you're playing nothing but true freshmen. Them's that was a, that was essentially a JV football team that Oregon State played, yes, and Oregon State did exactly what they're supposed to do. They, they kicked the crap out of them like we all thought they would. That's where I, I will defend. Like it's that's a really rough way to have your your scoring streak come to an end. I I would agree with you if he didn't on the previous possession go for it on fourth down when they could have clearly kicked a field goal at that point and he didn't. Well, sure. Now you're at the end of the game, so now the, this this is it. You got to. It's ridiculous. Score. No, it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> spineless. It's a coward's move. Um, I don't his whole like, well, it's fourth and twenty three. What'd you want me to do? You're down thirty points. Three points does literally nothing for you. I mean, he did it to keep the scoring streak alive. That's all he did it for. Yeah, like just did, be honest about it. He didn't want to get shut out. Yes. I'd have more respect for him if he came out and was like, you know what? We had a streak going, we didn't play a good football game, we weren't hundred percent us. I didn't want to be shut out. Okay. I I still think it's a coward move, but at least you're being honest. He was like, Well, <laughs> You want me to go for on fourth and try it there? It's like you just went for it on fourth down. You could have kicked a 20-yard field goal. What was so, the yes. fourth down ahead of that? I had turned the game off at that point. You mean before their yeah. field goal kick? What was the it distance? It was like fourth and three. Oh, come on. Fourth and short. That makes sense. They lost two yards on the play. I mean, I mean that sounds about right. Yes. But that's a, that's, more, that's a more reasonable fourth down to go for it than just chucking up a Hail Mary in the end zone. Not when you're down 30 to nothing. So what does a touchdown do? I mean, at least Nothing. you get a touchdown. You go for it. it go does, for it. And Clark Herbstreit was clowning him on the broadcast. I'm like, thank you, Kirk. I appreciate this. But, the, I mean, the counter a touchdown literally does nothing either. You're down 30 to nothing, and it, there's 20 seconds left in the game. It does literally nothing. You either go for the touchdown or you don't get the points. Like, there's really not an in-between. I love here. how upset you are about that. Well, I just thought it was you a want, coward's move. Would you have bragged about shutting out that Florida team? I would have bragged about a shutout, yeah. Okay. Because guess what would happen? The streak would have ended. There's no, yeah. there's no asterisk next to a shutout, a shutout streak going, you know, a lot of opt-outs happened in that game. That's not how that works. It's like they were shut out for the first time since 1988. Long time. They've had a long time scoring streak. Oregon State had their chances. They, they allowed them to march down the field too much on that last drive anyway. But they took care of business. I was overall happy. I knew they were going to kick their ass. It was, as you said, the most confident thing I felt all weekend. I didn't place a lot of NFL bets this week. I actually stayed away from most of the action. I didn't know how to feel about any of those games. And then, you know, Dirt says we have the craziest weekend all season. He ends up being right, I think, from a gambling standpoint. That was brutal. You either on the right side or the wrong side, and you either got hosed, you didn't get hosed. Like, 
it, it just I didn't feel a lot of confidence, but that Oregon State Florida game I felt a lot of confidence in. Yeah, there was I mean there just was no doubt, and, and I thought you could tell pretty early on. I know Florida had a couple of first downs in the first half, but once Oregon State figured out the pressure, and once they started getting the running game going, Fenwick had a huge day for them. It just I mean it, it was it was over, and when Florida just was so undermanned, they had no chance to compete, and it's a bummer for me honestly. Oregon State fan doesn't care, and you shouldn't care because you got to ten wins, you blew out Florida in the Vegas Bowl. I did see one of our listeners say we beat a traditional top. 10 program in our bowl game, and I had to chuckle at that. They were 6-6 six and six this year and playing with half a roster. Well, they haven't been a top 10 program in a long since time. Urban left. In about a decade since yeah. Urban Meyer left. Uh, but you don't, I mean, look, you, you play who's on your schedule. You have no control over who's showing up. I will just say as a college football fan, this is what sucks about this time of year. That would have been a really compelling game if Florida came in at full strength. Florida beat Utah in the opening game of the season. They went 6-6. Six and six. They have a weird, freakish uh, uh, NFL prospect quarterback and Anthony Richardson. Mobile quarterbacks have given Oregon State a lot of trouble over the years. Like I would have loved to have watched that game at full strength. It would have been a great bowl game. I'm not saying Oregon State doesn't win. In fact, I think they probably still win either way because you can't really trust Florida at the end of the year. But it would have been an awesome game to get them at full strength, and it just sucks because going into it, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that Oregon State was going to blow them out and it honestly I only ended up watching about 30% of that game I watched most of the first half well, you didn't need to you didn't need to I watched most of the first know. half and it was like all right this is kind of weird and then the Vikings started coming back and it was the third quarter you look up it's 23 or whatever to nothing it's like this game is over Florida's not going to score a touchdown yeah and there's no point in watching the rest of the second half so it was just it was a bummer because when the bull matchups were announced that was one that I looked at and said that's an awesome game. Anthony Richardson against a hot Oregon State team, that's going to be a lot of fun. And it just it didn't happen, and that's the world we live in now. Yeah, Florida fan got all butthurt because I called their coach and their team cowards. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, that game sucked. Oregon State was going to win that one no matter what. I feel bad. I mean, some of it's Don Napier, I guess, because he doesn't, you know, you're the head coach, so technically you're in control of who transfers and who doesn't to a certain extent. Well, I feel. I mean, I felt bad to, for him for a certain part because he had no, I mean, he had no team. You, you, I think there's a level of program dirt. You said the bowl season sucks, right? Um, I think there's a level of program that there's a certain line, and once you're on one side of the line, this is the coach's fault. Now, I, I, I've seen this, like, the transfer portal and the NFL draft stuff and guys sitting out. It's a lot of attacking of player, and guys don't want to be committed anymore. They don't want to play. They're not committed to the team. It's all about I, I, I. You know what? I also saw an interview with Ryan Day this weekend where Ryan Day basically said, well, you know, you lost that game a couple weeks ago, and season's over. Like, that's it for us. And I'm like, you you had a bowl game that you maybe could have been playing in after missing the playoff if that would happen. But that's the attitude with the coach. Sure, from the head coach. So if the coach's attitude is that, like, hey, we went 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one and our season's over because we're not in the playoff, why should a player care? Yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not even necessarily blaming the players. I'm just saying as a fan, it's a, I'm, I'm bummed well, because but, bowl games used to be fun and yes. you get interesting matchups. of Like, Oregon State and Florida had never played before. No. Never. And that was Oregon State's first opportunity, and it was their first win over an SEC team. They don't play SEC teams. They've never been an SEC team. That was their first win against an SEC See, team. That's a crazy stat I didn't even know. But it's you know, it's I'm I'm an Oregon State guy. I didn't refute any of like I had some Duck fans respond. Well, oh, Florida, that game sucked. Florida was yeah, I know. Like yeah, I, I mean, don't care. <laughs> yeah, you got the win. That's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Oregon State didn't tell them not they couldn't play. Like that was Florida players' yep, decision. That was so. your call. And for Oregon State, I mean, they it does bowl wins like that can build a ton of momentum. Uh, you know, they were really disappointed with the way they played 
played Utah State last year. Yes, they were. Stupid Jimmy Kimmel Bowl game. And they didn't show up for that game for whatever reason. They enjoyed L.A. too much. I, I don't know what it was. But they got to Vegas. They were focused. And wins like that can carry momentum. And I think there's people around the country that I don't know how closely everybody in the transfer portal is watching that game. But that is priority number one for Oregon State. I do think that Branson played solid. And actually, I think he played really well in every game that he appeared in outside of getting thrust into duty in Utah. Washington game, he wasn't great, but also there was 40-mile-an-hour wins that entire game until the fourth quarter, and he was really bad against Oregon for some random reason because Oregon's defense wasn't good. So three of their four biggest games of the year, he was not good in. Well, sure, but he was good in the bowl (laughs) game. He was great against Arizona State. Like He had solid moments, and I think to to say, hey, true freshman, go in and win every game and throw for 300 yards, like he wasn't going to do that. I do maintain that he was better than Chance Nolan, and Chance Nolan was a returning starting quarterback. Until the Oregon game, he did not turn the football over. He didn't throw a pick as a starter outside of coming in against Utah. He threw a bunch in that game and they ended up losing, but that wasn't necessarily his fault. I, I thought he was solid outside of really the Oregon game was his low water mark. And to see him bounce back and play like that was good. Now, I think I still think priority number one for them is a transfer quarterback and you don't want to live in this world every year where it's who cares if we have a good quarterback or not, because I just don't think that's a sustainable way of living, even for as good as they were this year. But at least maybe now, and I don't know if it changes anybody's mind, but if you do strike out, you say, alright, we got Childs coming in. If he's not ready to play, which most true freshmen are not ready to play, you can roll with Go Branson next year if you need to. He's a tough kid, that's for sure. I thought his ability to come out of the game for Jebby and come back in, he took some big hits. He's a tough kid. Maybe he'll be the guy. I'd highly doubt it. I think they're still going to hit the portal pretty hard. Uh, But coming up next, I want to stay in college because we found out something yesterday that's pretty interesting. It makes the conference that much more interesting. So we'll talk about that. We'll get back into the NFL stuff as well. Dirt and Sprague back with more on 1080. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. Small and brown, he comes from you. Sit on the toilet, here he comes. Squeezing between your festive buns, a present All right, welcome back in. Dirt and Sprague with you. 721 on uh, 1080 The Fan. Good morning. Happy Christmas week. Happy Hanukkah to all that observe. Started yesterday. Uh, We have a lot more to get into today. 
But uh, this weekend, we got Oregon State winning a bowl game, Washington State getting housed by Fresno State. What the hell, Cougs? Did you see they had a – Cam Ward had a – Orlovsky moment. Or he ran out of the end zone. Yeah. What the hell happened there? I mean, I like Fresno State to cover in that game. They were getting points, I believe, uh, but that that was a no-show. They uh, they lost their OC, who became the head coach, I think, at North Texas. They did, yeah, who came to Washington State from Incarnate Word with, with Cam, Cam Ward. And he had a quote saying he was shocked that he, he left. He's like, I can't blame him. He made a good decision for his family, but he was not in the loop in that choice. Yeah, uh, Washington State's interesting next year. I thought they had a good year, but, you know, how good is Dickert going to be? Like, right now, Smith... DeBoer, Whittingham, Riley, Lanning. Um, am I missing anybody? I, I think that's kind of it. Those five coaches right now you feel really confident in. Mm-hmm. And then I think you got your next tier, right? Like you got, I think, Dickert, Jed Fish, Justin Wilcox. Uh, I think you got some group of guys that you go, okay, you know, there, there, there's something there, but like how, what is it? And then you've got your question marks, your new hires, your Stanford, your Colorado, Arizona State. Um, you know, I, I just I think that's kind of what you're dealing with right now in the in the Pac-12. But uh, yesterday we got the news uh, about. Do we have this ready to go, Jordan? So yeah, I guess yesterday Oregon wanted to tweet out dirt. To your credit, uh, you said over a week ago that it was 80 percent sure that Bo Nix was gonna return. And then yesterday, Oregon football tweets this out. There's nothing like a Saturday in Autzen Stadium in front of the best fans in college football. There's nothing like playing for my coaches and going to battle with my teammates. There's nothing like being an Oregon Duck. For 2023, I'm back. Feel the excitement. Boy. Oh, back, baby. The announcement versus like the sound of the announcement are two different things, aren't they? <laughs> that's not in that's not uh, the most hyped video I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> the excitement of Eugene on Saturdays. I'm back. Okay, Bo. We could have just did a highlight video without any talking. Yeah, I think that's hard to, uh, if you're not a voice guy, it's probably better just to leave it in the written notes thing that a lot of people do. Like, hey, here, you know, here's my announcement. With that being said, you got to put that in there. Why not do a press conference the way, back. Uh, the way Barkley did? Barkley. He should have just released a Jordan statement. Hey, I got a, I got a statement to release. Two words. I'm back. I'm back, baby. I mean, this is big news. This is really big news. I, I had a feeling he was going to come back since the second he announced he was playing in the bowl game. That was kind of an eye-opener. Most guys that are going to the NFL yep. uh, don't play in the bowl game, although you got to give Bo the credit of maybe he's just a weird old-timer that, you know, he wants to finish the season the right way kind of guy, and then he would balance for the NFL after the game. But once he announced he was playing in the bowl game, it cracked the door open, and this is, I mean, it's just major to return a starting quarterback. It was the same thing for Penix coming back for Washington. It answers the biggest question that every football team has to answer in the offseason, and that is, who's your quarterback going to be next year? And if Bo Nix were to leave and go to the NFL, there's no guarantee. It looks like there's a good chance now that Dante Moore is going to flip and not come. Really? Is that the vibe? That's the vibe on Twitter. I don't know what the hell's going to happen on Wednesday. I don't know if it's UCLA or somewhere else, because UCLA just got a transfer quarterback, too. They brought in the starter from Kent State, and I'd imagine that he's not going to UCLA. The Dante Moore tea leaves are turning? Without, like, a, hey, you're probably going to play here kind of thing. I don't know why he would go to UCLA to be a backup, so I I don't know what the hell's going to happen. But there's a a, uh, fear that he's not going to sign, but Bo Nix coming back totally nullifies that. 
because you have a returning starting quarterback for the first time since Herbert came back for his senior year. This ends your carousel of having three straight years of a different starting quarterback. If Bo left, it would have been four in a row. He went shock in the COVID year, Anthony Brown the next year, Bo Nix this year. So it's just been one and done, one and done, one and done. You have to have continuity if you want to live up to the expectations that you have for the program. It gives you another year to figure out what you need to do with the most important position. You don't have to dive back into the portal. You don't have to hand it to a true freshman. You don't have to hand it to Dante or uh, to Ty Thompson, who is clearly not ready as we saw this year. So it, uh, alleviating the biggest headache that Oregon football had, like of all the misses or hits that they're going to have on signing day, this was easily the biggest determining factor to what their season is going to look like next year. And with a manageable non-conference schedule and him coming back the way he played when he was healthy, yeah. I mean, sky's the limit for what you can do next well, year. I mean, look at the conference in general. They have the Heisman Trophy winner coming back. You've got Michael Penix, who's going to be at the forefront of the the conversation of that same award next year, and now Bo Nix, who was in that award as well until the last couple of weeks when he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have three Heisman guys. Not to mention um, what you might get from some of the other teams. I don't know. I, I think next year it's it's shaping up to be a really good year in the Pac-12. Conference is going to be awesome again Con- next year. Conference seems like it's kind of back. The coaching is good. The new hires are interesting. They you know maybe entertaining as well. Uh, and then you've got this kind of talent returning. I just I thought it was a good day for the conference yesterday. I, I want Oregon State to get a quarterback, but it's big for the conference to be good, be relevant, be talked about. Bo Nix coming back to Eugene is huge. I didn't see the Dante Moore stuff, but I don't follow recruiting like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little surprised to hear you tell me that the tea leaves may be indicating that Dante Moore is flipping. But that's kind of the nature of the beast. And you know what? The way college football is, you get Bo Nix for another year, there's going to be another prospect yes. that you're going to fawn over and wish that you have. There will and, be another one. Or you'll that get was Ty trip. Thompson. Can we all remind ourselves? Like yeah. He was the highest Ducks recruit at quarterback that they had ever, ever got. Had. Ever had, yeah. Still is, because Moore hasn't committed technically exactly. yet, so he still is the highest rated quarterback you've ever signed. The last three high rated quarterbacks they've signed yeah. were Braxton Burmeister, Tyler Shuck, and Ty Thompson. Uh, random college football question for you guys outside of the Pac-12. So I watched a little bit of the Jackson State NC Central Bowl game. Did you watch that at all? I did not watch that. I watched that. the finish, yeah. Uh, it was a great game. Yeah. Uh, NC Central and, and Jackson State were going back and fourth and it comes down to the end here and Shadur Sanders throws just an easy little touch pass to a tight end for Jackson State and he dropped it his name is Hayden Hagler he just dropped he's wide open he catches it they basically tie the game they extend going another overtime period my question is Hayden Hagler's white (laughs) I didn't know white kids could play at historical black colleges yeah you can go okay not a lot of them do, but you I can didn't go. know that that they was don't bar white people from going to universities. Well, no, I, I don't think it's a bar. Hey, white people! Are, I just thought it was a a black college. I didn't know. I it admittedly, a, I did not uh, know. I also didn't know this week that penalties when you get a penalty kick, the guy who is fouled doesn't have to kick the penalty. The, early on in that World that. Cup game, Di Maria gets the hit, and Messi just steps up to shoot the shot and makes it one nothing Argentina. I didn't know you could do that. I thought whoever got penalized kicked the penalty shot, but well, qu- I didn't know that either. Learned a couple things Dion this weekend because he just found a good athlete, right? He's like, all right, best tight end that I can get, I'm gonna go get it. Hey, regardless. there's a video of him consoling the kid in the locker room. It did look like a, you know, he was really. It's not your fault. It's us. It's on us. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. I just I was watching that game. And I was like, hey, all right, there's a white guy on Jackson State. How about that? Didn't know. Yeah, I think you can. You, they allow you in. It's okay. You can get, not a lot of them, not a high volume. I don't use a high volume. Not a high percentage. Not a lot of whites there. But they, they you're, you're allowed in. You can go. 
Uh, okay. You could be like the one guy in the movie Drumline. How would you remember the one, the bass drummer? Yeah, remember the bass drummer, the one that moved the his one hips really weirdly. Yeah, he he couldn't quite get the rhythm down. Touche. And they had to help him out with his humping motion. You yeah, know? you're not. You got to make love to the drum. Yes, there's that kid. That kid's there. He struggled to make love to the drum. That was North Carolina A and T, historically right. black college. You loved that movie, didn't you? That was a great movie. Uh, very quickly, power rank because you guys didn't give me your top five championships. So I'm a little disappointed by you for that. I'm just kind of letting you die on the vine for a bit. What do you mean? I mean, I, people are people are disagreeing with your list. What do you mean, I'm people? Just, I'm letting your list hang yeah, out there. Yeah, my list was awful. I'm letting your list hang out there for okay. a bit. Jordan, do you have a list? You I look do. like you have a list. He's uh, got, I'm ready to go. Oh, he's got a list. Go ahead. What's the list? All right, and this is just because, you know, a little hometown. I oh, guess, just hurting. pick the damn. Okay, number five, Auburn over Oregon in the 2011 championship game in BCS. It, because that was a really great game. It was a great game. Hard fought, and it, not just because I'm a Duck fan. That was a great game, and we lost, but still a it's really... too bad he wasn't down. It, don't even get me started. All right, anyways, I'll keep picking. Number four, the 06, technically the championship for the 05 season BCS game for USC, Texas. Of mm-hmm. course, the one on your list. Number three, Falcons losing to the Patriots in Super Bowl 51. The comeback over time, I think 34-28 was Fell asleep at halftime of that game, so half the game was boring. There you go. Okay. There you go. Uh, number two, the helmet catch. You brought it up earlier, David uh-huh. Tyree. Man, that was just – I remember coming home uh, at, like, second quarter of that Super Bowl and then all of a sudden to, to turn around and the Giants just absolutely taking it and with that catch unbelievable play uh, to keep the Patriots from an undefeated season and number one you guys brought it up earlier too the NBA Finals 98 game six Michael Jordan why is that not on anybody's list the shot for his sixth championship to beat the Utah Jazz and to keep John Stockton and Carmelo alone from ever ever getting their ring something to this day that we still debate all over sports radio so there you go uh well, the reason to make my list is because a game seven in the finals is better than a game six, and coming back from a three-one deficit for a city that's not won a championship in sixty-four years is more impressive than winning your sixth championship. <clears throat> that was the last championship ever that we've seen Michael win. That was that was the cherry on top, oh. and, and that's my argument. Uh, and like typical Jordan fans, did he come back and play in the NBA after that? Oh, that's right, he never got out of the first round again. Uh, all right, coming up next, we have a lot more to get into. Uh, football, basketball, baseball. I don't know where Dirt's going to go with this thing. So we got a lot to get to next. But first, Jordan with a sports update. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you 
This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. All right, welcome back in, 735. Happy Monday morning, everybody. I maintain it. I said it earlier in the show. Firmly believe it. I think yesterday was the best day. And, hell, you could even connect the entire weekend, the best weekend of NFL football that we've had. Because we didn't even talk about, you know, the, the highlight on Saturday was Minnesota, the largest comeback in NFL history, down 33 nothing at the half. They won it in overtime. The Miami-Buffalo game was amazing, too, on Saturday That was night. a great football game. I was pissed because I bet the Bills thinking there was going to be a foot of snow on the ground and Tua wouldn't be able to throw the ball, and then you'd turn on the game, and it's like, wait a minute, there's no snow on the field. This yeah. is stupid. Uh, and to Tua's and Miami's credit, man, they showed up. They've gotten embarrassed the last couple of weeks, didn't play great against the Chargers and lost. Uh, the Niner game obviously didn't go their way, and so they they were limping into this ball game. And I thought Buffalo was going to blow them out. And Tua, I thought, had a really good game. Mostert ran all over them, and they hung tough. And then it was Buffalo with the last second drive in the snow, clearing it off the field. But that was another one that you add to the list of that was a, that was a really good football game. Uh, and the AFC playoff picture, I am fascinated by. Because yesterday there was there was big endings. You had the Chargers coming back and not coming back because it was tied and winning the game on a last second field goal. The Pats losing the game the way that they did. The Jets losing to the Lions the way that they did. And now don't look, but Miami at eight and six is not a guarantee to make the playoffs anymore. They've lost three games in a row, and their next game is I mean, they play the Packers, so I would imagine they'd win it. But then you close with New England and you close with the Jets. So they're going to have playoff caliber games in their last three. And there's no guarantee that Miami, after that start that they got off to, is going to make the playoffs this year. Well, the Jet game is huge and the Patriot game because they already have one win over the Patriots. They already have one loss to the Jets. Yep. So you could be looking at tie-break factors for Miami there. It's not a given that they'll make it. I thought they played a great football game. Just unfortunately for them. You come up just that short in Buffalo. I think everybody has a lot of respect for what they did in that game. I actually thought that was the best game of Saturday. I, I'm sorry. From I, start to finish, it yeah, was a compelling I, game. Yeah. You know, but Vikings-Colts is like, it's 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 good, it's interesting, it's record-breaking. It's also stupid how that happens. You have to be an extremely undisciplined football team to blow that kind of lead. <laughs> and that's kind of what the Colts are. They're also just not good. No. Jonathan Taylor's done for the year. They're they're packing it in, man. It is over. It is done. Is finito. The Colts are done this year. Everybody's making their Jeff Saturday jokes in the first half. Ha ha! Jeff Saturday coaching yeah. on Saturday, and then they blew a thirty-three point lead. Now he's the first coach named Jeff Saturday to coach on Saturday and lose the biggest lead in NFL history on Saturday. Did is. you know that's that? That he is. Yeah, he is. Um, but you know, overall, like the Vikings continue to look a little fraudulent despite them coming back in that game. You still don't really trust them. I thought Miami-Buffalo was the best game of the day. Baltimore-Cleveland was a snooze fest. Yeah, that game was terrible. And that was not fun. Deshaun looks awful. But, um, you know, that, that's just it's a good football game on Saturday. I like NFL Saturdays. I just, I like when we get Bills-Dolphins more so than Ravens-Browns. Yeah, I would take that game any day. The Ravens-Browns game was terrible. I, I don't know why I didn't hammer the under in that game. That was The Browns haven't scored a damn point on anybody since Deshaun came back. Well, they, and Baltimore's offense has been a no, struggle. Bus. Even when Lamar's been healthy, their offense has been bad at times. So they've struggled a ton, and Huntley couldn't – I mean, they couldn't move the football at all. So uh, you, you look at the AFC uh, North right now, and with Cincinnati coming back and beating Tampa, it feels like that division is over. Yeah. I know it's only a game difference, but just the way that 
that Cincinnati is trending in the way that Baltimore is trending. They got to get Lamar Jackson back desperately in a hurry. Um, the, the other moments from yesterday, though, that stood out to me, and it's just it's hilarious with this team because we do it every year. And I'm wondering how people are feeling. Like Dallas has been one of the talking points for folks in the NFL all season. This is the year. It feels different. Could this be the Cowboys' year? Oh. The way that they damn near lost to the Texans two weeks ago at home, they go on the road. Now, Jacksonville's been playing better. I did a segment when you were out on Friday on Lawrence, who I, th- I think he's the most untalked about guy in the league right now. Yeah, he damn near blew that game for them. He damn near did. He threw a bad pick, but then came up with some big drives when they needed it. He threw for 318 yards and four oh, touchdowns. I was talking about the fumble with about two minutes the fumble, to go. Yeah, he fumbled with two minutes to go. Like He had a bad pick, though, too, a little bit earlier in the game as well. Like He had a couple of bad turnovers, but they, they made drives. And then you get the Dak Prescott pick six. And I just like, are we doing this again with the Cowboys? Are we doing this again with them? Does anybody have any faith in the Cowboys in the playoffs? I think people will still give them some respect because of that defense. But that defense got absolutely shredded, shredded. in the second half of that game. Trevor Lawrence, they scored 27 points in the second half of that game. I think we've also seen some games. You know, the Green Bay game comes to my mind. Uh, the game yesterday, like, teams are finding ways to get around Micah Parsons and kind of take him out and not let him be a like, defensive player of the year type player. And if you can do that, I, you could throw on this Dallas team. That secondary is not very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, You know, I've kind of been saying this, too. Like, we love to throw them in there, and their record would indicate they should. Hell, they they were helped yesterday by everything that happened between the Giants and Washington, but I I don't know, man. Like, maybe they beat Philly. I don't know if people are legitimately buying them. That wasn't Dak's fault, per se, but you just can't blow a 17-point lead like that. Not against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's playing better football, but I I think that game is is an indication of why people don't fully trust Dallas. Yeah, the the pick in overtime wasn't his fault. That was one of those just fluky, weird deflection plays. It bounced off Noah Brown's arm. Yeah, that's not on him. The one that was on him was earlier in the, I can't remember if it was the third quarter or fourth quarter, they were backed up inside their own five-yard line, and him throwing a pick that handed Jacksonville a short field allowed them easily to get back into that I mean, he did it last weekend against Houston, too. They should have lost that game against Houston, which would have been a huge wake-up call because he threw that awful pick. Houston didn't score on that possession. And if they did, that game would have been over. But, you know, he got kind of lucky in that one, and then it comes back to bite him the very next week. Well, and looking ahead, too, I don't want to get too far because we'll have some time later in the week, but the Thursday night game this week is really fun. You know who plays on Thursday? I do. Jags Jets. Hell yeah, That's a great football game. Can we all band together and advocate and root for Jacksonville to get into the playoffs and win the division? Not only because I want to cash my bet when I thought it was dead a month ago, but also we don't need to see Tennessee play football anymore. Uh, like, give me, like, just rank on an entertaining level. Uh, Derrick Henry's cool. He runs the ball great. Like, I don't need to watch Ryan Tannehill in any more big games. Give me Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs. I don't think Jacksonville's going to win a playoff game. They'd have to go on the road to, like, Kansas City or Buffalo or Cincinnati. Like, not, or I guess they would win the division. They so would host a playoff host game. game. Yeah. So I don't know if I like their chances to win the game or not, but I just, I've done, I've seen it with Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee had the one run where they made the AFC championship game. Derrick Henry got hot. Tannehill did nothing. And since then, they've been a one and done playoff team the last two years. Right. They've lost three or four in a row now. At this point, they lost again to the Chargers yesterday, even though their defense actually played pretty solid. Tannehill just, he's hurt. They, their offense stinks. Like, give me Jacksonville in the playoffs for an entertaining factor. I think this is mostly just 
predicated on you want to cash a ticket. Well, I'm just thinking, like, quarterback play is what we love most about the NFL. Is it not? Like, elite quarterback play is what we focus on, what we talk about the most. We debate, is this guy better than this guy? I don't know, man. Watching watching San Francisco's defense in person, you do, like, you're like, holy crap. You can feel when a defense is dominating and an offense can't move on them. You can feel that strength. Yeah, and I that, think that was impressive to watch on Thursday. To me, they're an, they're an outlier. There's no other defense in the NFL that does that for me, other than San Francisco. Well, Philly. You don't think Philly's defense is capable of that? I think, I think Philly's defense is good, but I don't watch them and get the sense, oh, my God, can anybody score on these guys? Yeah. And I get that from time to time when I watch San Francisco. I mean, there's a chance when you look at the playoff picture of what it could look like in the AFC, you could have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. We'll see what happens with Lamar at the end with Baltimore. He's supposed Her- to be back for Christmas. For Christmas, okay. Yeah. Herbert and uh, Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, potentially Tua. Like, those could be your AFC quarterbacks. It's a pretty good little uh, list there. And as opposed to having to go through some of the quarterbacks, like Daniel Jones making the playoffs or Taylor Heineke, who I know is fine, but like having some of the quarterback situations in the NFC, little murky, not quite the case in the AFC. Well, I think the NFC, you know, Philadelphia struggled yesterday to beat the Bears. Jalen Hurts did not play a very strong game. I know he had the running touchdown. but yeah, he threw a couple of picks. They got off to a slow start. Threw some bad passes. They struggled a little bit. They come back. They end up winning that game by five. I think, unfortunately, though, you look in the NFC, how many quarterbacks do you trust right now in the NFC playoff picture? You don't, you don't trust Daniel Jones. No. You're, and not, you're not trusting. No. I mean, I hate to say this, but you're not trusting Dak Prescott. No, why he's would a middle you? Of the road quarterback. I still think I know he's had a great year. People putting him in this MVP conversation. I don't know how many people fully trust Jalen. His team is pretty damn good. Yeah, go. You got to win a playoff game. But you got Yeah, people kind of want to see that, right? Yeah. Even though they're going to host every game that they play in in the playoffs. And I, I'll, I'll say this out loud. Like, I know that was a good win on Thursday. I'm, I'm not sold on Brock Purdy. I'm not going to be the overreactive. Brock Purdy's better than Jimmy G. They can do this with Brock Purdy. I could see Brock Purdy going to Philly and getting his ass kicked, to be honest with you. Um, so I just think you look, it's crazy how you contrast the AFC and the NFC and go, who do you trust in the NFC at that position? Whereas in the AFC, you don't even know where to begin. There's a ton of quarterbacks you'd trust. Yeah, I do think Purdy's better than Garoppolo, but I don't trust him. Yeah, I don't know what evidence you have on that, but that's fine. That's your opinion. That we'll see fine. if you're right. Can you throw eight passes in an NFC championship game? We'll see if they have that kind of team. I'm not. I don't know. They almost blew a 21-6 lead to the Seattle Seahawks. Who would you rather yeah. have a quarterback right now, Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy? You'd rather have Dak Prescott. Yeah, Dak Prescott. Really? I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to get on my skis here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm telling you, as a guy who's rooting for the Niners, I, I'm, I could see the Niners losing in the divisional round. This whole like the Niners are going to the NFC title, they can win the Super Bowl thing. Like, I'm not ready to go there. The defense damn sure looks the part. You're going to get Debo back, but Brock Purdy. Those passes he made, man, those were wide open looks. Those weren't like he threaded the needle in a tight spot. Like, no, that's, that's what Jimmy Garoppolo's been doing for five years. Well, yeah, but Jimmy G. I mean, I'm not saying Jimmy G. is anything. I'm just like this whole like Brock Purdy is going to get him to Super Bowl and win it. Maybe he will, but I I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet. Yeah, I I'm not acting like he's an MVP and he's going to single handedly carry a team. It's just an aspect of they've won, in my opinion, with really inferior quarterback play for five years. And I don't. I, to me, there's no difference between Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, because that's what Garoppolo is. He's thrown to wide open wide receivers. And right now, if the playoffs started, they would host the Giants in the first round. They would win that game. And yeah, I would. And, I would pick them to win that game. And then you'd probably. I think they would play the. You'd play winner Dallas, of the two, three, Tampa, the you know, two seed, right? Yeah, whoever. Uh, Minnesota the one seed would get Dallas yeah, or Tampa. I would pick them to beat Minnesota right now in a heartbeat.
I, well, yeah, I'd be at Minnesota. That'd be interesting. It's a tough, tough road environment, but I'd pick them to win that game too. And that I think that just speaks mainly to the rest of the NFC. There's just not a lot of trust in anybody in that entire conference. And that's why it does feel a little wide open. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Like, if Philly can't do it this year, other teams you imagine will get better here, there, you know, figure out quarterback play, whatever the case. Right. Like, like this is the year. There is a there is a golden ticket waiting for you to walk to the Super Bowl because the NFC you have a rookie, Mister Irrelevant quarterback with the only team that I view as a, as a legitimate threat. And if you can't beat the Forty ers with Brock Purdy, that's that's a concern. That's an issue. Sure. So. I, I think it kind of sorts out the NFC a little bit that way. Whereas in the AFC, like I like the Bengals, but right now the Bengals would have to go on the road at Kansas City. Again, just to maybe play at Buffalo. Yeah. Like, that is a <laughs> that is a tough road to get there, man. Yes. I do want to take a look at some of those scenarios, uh, the impact that tonight's game would have, Monday Night Football, the Packers still trying to stay alive at 5-8. and eight. Uh, But some of the NFC, AFC playoff pictures and some more thoughts on the weekend's NFL action next on the first. I smell sex This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. Yeah, the playoffs started today. Some fun matchups in the AFC, man. You would have Miami on the road at Kansas City. The Chargers in Cincinnati to Burrow versus Herbert in round one. Yeah. And then Ravens and Titans, which can you know. Some of those games seem fun on paper, too, but I would no guarantee they'd be close. Like, yeah. I'd worry about the Chargers, for example, with Herbert being as good as he is. His coach sucks. So. Yeah, they had to eke one out yesterday. He wasn't great either. He threw a bad pick in the second half in plus territory. Uh, it was, I mean, it was at least a nice moment for him of you know not playing great. Offense was bad, but when they needed a drive, he put together a drive and had that long connection to Mike Williams, and they got into field goal range. That was a game that, traditionally speaking, it feels like the Chargers find a way to lose. Right when they build momentum, they beat Miami, and you're like, hey, look at that, Chargers, nice game. And then yeah. they followed up with a bad loss to Tennessee, who was leaking oil coming into that game. And it was big because it really was the only game left on their schedule. Now, again, it's the NFL. Crazy things happen. But we pointed this out a couple weeks ago. Their last three games, they're in Indy on Monday night next week. They go. Uh, they got the Rams at home, the Battle of L.A. I'm sure that'll be thrilling. And then you close in Denver against the Broncos. The Rams. Can we get the Rams <laughs> off TV? Like, can they just stop the season, please? Come on, Thursday Night Football fever. You didn't have Baker Mayfield come back last week. Let's go, baby. He's back I, in prime time. I was at a Blazer game when Baker Mayfield <laughs> won that game. And I'm not looking forward to them tonight against Green Bay. So those are their last three games. So it's incredibly manageable. So for them to win that game, just find a way. Like, that's the difference sometimes between yeah. making a playoffs and losing. Remember last year, a lot of people pointed to the final game of the season where they lost to the Raiders in that overtime fashion and Staley calls a timeout. The week before that, they lost to the Texans. Yes, that was, was their game. The worst team in the NFL yes. last year. And you just you can't lose games like that. I'm not saying the Titans are the Texans. Uh, but So them finding a way to win, I, I thought, was big. The other note from last night, too, there was all sorts of controversy out of Sunday Night Football. Uh, Kayvon had himself quite a performance on primetime television last night. Uh, it turns out Kayvon does like football. I think he likes football. Confirmed. Does Kayvon he... Thibodeau likes to play football. Are we sure about his motor, though? Are we sure? Yeah, I think we question his character. Okay. I think that's yeah. a big thing for Kayvon last night. I wasn't sure about it. Still he... not sold. And by the way, we I think we said this last week. His numbers don't bear it out, but his pressure rates have increased. He has really put together a nice rookie season for himself. He was dealing with some injuries this year. But when he's playing, uh, did you see what Dexter Lawrence's teammate, who called himself on the broadcast in the lineup announcement, Sexy Dexy? Sexy Dexy. I Dexter that. Lawrence was asked, said, hey, what did you think about Kayvon? He said, oh, when I saw who got the fumble and picked it up and went in the end zone, I, all I thought about was, great, now we're not going to hear the end of this play. Because on the team plane, <laughs> all Kayvon was going to do 
was talking about how he scored the touchdown. I scored a touchdown, which baby. is totally cave on. But I was happy for him, man. I we do this dumb thing where we pick one player in the draft and we say, "Oh, who's the guy?" <laughs> and it's stupid. But I'm I were I was really a believer in Kayvon. I just believe in the dude's ability, and I thought it was weird how we analyzed him in college. And I think right now he's showing he's just a he's one of the kind of top young edge rushers we have in the league. His pressure rate's been really good and. His play last night was amazing. Yeah, it finally concluded in a couple of sacks for him. It was a controversial ending, though, because there was a touchdown scored on third and goal. For those who didn't watch, the Giants were up by eight. Minute left in the game. Commanders had the ball on the half-yard line. And they had a rushing touchdown. Brian Robinson ran it in. You're like, all right, tie game. Now they need a two-point conversion. This is yep. going to be another great finish. Remember, they two teams just played a couple weeks ago to a 20-20 tie. And the game would have been tied at 20 if they got the two-point conversion. They called the penalty, though, on Terry McLaurin. They said he was it was an illegal formation. That was an odd thing because the ref looked like he gave him the thumbs up he that did. he was on the line of scrimmage. There's now footage that people are pointing out. He he walks up to the line of scrimmage. He points to the official to say, am I, like, am I good? Am I on the line of scrimmage? And the official gives him the thumbs up. Yep, you're good. And then they run the play. They get into the end zone. The ref throws the flag, says, no, you're off the line. He said, I checked with you. Why? Usually when a receiver they'll does that, you to come up they'll say, hey, you got to move up a little bit to get on the line of scrimmage. And then, so that's third down. You get then a fourth down play where there was clearly pass interference. The DB just draped himself all over the wide receiver. And the argument that people make is, well, fourth and goal game on the line, you don't call that. That was as clear a day as pass interference as I have ever seen. And Commander fans are up in arms because they've felt like, and I think can argue, they got absolutely hosed on the last two plays of that game. Well, I mean, playoff playoff implications are on the line in this stuff. And, you know, I... I'm at that Thursday game, and they call roughing the passer on on Nick Bosa. On a pick six. On a pick six, and that would have been blowout city. And that was, I mean, I had Seahawks fans going, that, that's an awful call. And it just, you know, I think from Thursday on to yesterday, it, you just, you have a lot of inconsistencies going on right now. It's being highlighted on shows. And, you know, some people are asking, is it time to make these guys full-time? Bring them in, make them full-time employees, a lot of these guys are like accountants and lawyers in their off time. You're asking them to do that and then come into the game and call clean. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is here, but officiating has definitely reared its ugly head this season. It was bad, man. Thursday night, that was a horrible call. To, to Bosa's credit, he didn't want to get fired. And he no, didn't. he said by the letter of law, I should have rolled I off him. But fell like, on him, but whatever. That's I, stupid. Watch that play live. I didn't <laughs> think he really landed on him that hard. So. I rewinded like five times. Like, am I missing something here? Because yeah. that was a game-changing play. That was a pick six. The game's over at that yep. point. And it allowed – I mean, the 49ers still ended up winning. But it allowed Seattle to, a chance to, to hold up. And then to have those calls in the biggest moment of the game last night in the talking point. Point, a couple of divisional rivals. You mentioned the playoff standings. That was a tough one for Seattle because they had the head-to-head win over the Giants. So if the Giants were to lose, that ups your chances a little bit of making it in because they beat them in Seattle. But instead, now you're going head-to-head more likely with the Commanders. The Giants are a game and a half ahead of you. So all sorts of playoff scenarios uh, on the line. And it's going to be a fun kind of uh, f- a couple final weeks here of the NFL season. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about the NFC. Like, who's going to win the NFC? If it's Philadelphia, if it's going to be San Francisco, Dallas, is it a wild card team is the Detroit Lions if they get in I don't know but it's fun the AFC is god I cannot wait for some of those matchups the AFC is the better conference has been all year we knew it in the offseason too the AFC West didn't end up being the juggernaut that we thought it was going to be because Denver's been horrible and the Raiders are not good yeah uh, but the Chargers are looking like they got a chance to make the playoffs and the Chiefs are still the damn Chiefs I, you know to that Raider game I I still don't know how you give Cole that touchdown but you ruled it a touchdown and you need definitive evidence that it's not a touchdown. Yep. 
how are we here? How are we still at this point in the NFL where that company makes $12 billion or whatever it is a year, and they still can't, like, we're doing high-definition cameras zooming in, and then it becomes pixelated pictures. Yeah. That's what we're doing? That's what we're doing. We don't have pylon cams facing every which way of every pylon where you can, you know, you get a clear look and see if a toe is on the line. Like, how is the back pylon not have a camera facing the front pylon? Should be sensors at this point. It's 2022. Have sensors in the shoes, sensors on the sidelines. We're talking about like shoe auto- sensors. I love automated it, yeah. cars that can it's stay ridiculous. in lanes. It's, how, yeah, how can you how, how can tennis? <laughs> I was a ball boy once for a tennis tournament at the Moda Center years ago, like when Agassi was still playing. And they at that tennis tournament, they introduced the new technology that they still use today. <gasps> And it was basically, you could get a clear digital definition of where the ball bounced, and it shows you where the dot is versus where the line is. And it's close when you go on the digital reenactment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dead on. How did tennis get this 15 years ago and the NFL still doesn't have anything? How? Does it make sense, man? It's pathetic. Somebody texted in, too. I forgot about these. You lose a lot from the weekend, uh, but the Minnesota had, should have had two scooping scores. Oh, yeah. And they blew the whistle. Yes. They blew they the blew play dead. dead. But So they got the recovery on it. There was one last night as well where Heineke fumbled the ball. And I don't know. One of their defensive linemen for the Giants picked it up. I don't know if they go 90 yards because he's a defensive lineman. Yeah. But they're definitely advancing the ball down the field, at least at the 30 or 40, before somebody catches them. And as a Vikings minus four better, I was very pissed about that. Yeah. Because they probably covered the spread if you don't blow that whistle dead. So. It just it was a rough week and it culminated last night. To to tell a guy that he's lined up okay and then to flag him for an illegal formation, I mean that that brings into the conversation the question of are things rigged? Because he looks at you, he says, "Am I good?" You say yes, and then you throw a flag on him for not being lined up correctly. Yeah, like that. That is the thing you have to avoid, and it was a really bad night uh, for the officials in that Sunday night game. we got a lot to get to in the final hour. Some more notes from the NFL. Great weekend. Uh, A couple of bowl game notes uh, from everything that's going on so far in the world of college football. I do want to bring up the Blazers. They split their games. No showed in Dallas on Friday, and then bounce back with a blowout over Houston, a a crappy team on Saturday. Back in action in OKC tonight. It's going to be a loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.